Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is James P. Friel. I am super excited to have you guys here today. We have a guest today uh, I'm going to introduce in just a moment here, but this guy has a background that is extremely diverse. He's been through it all and is totally committed to helping entrepreneurs and other people really find their way you know, through business and their finances and stuff like that. And so we're super excited to welcome Damian Lupo to the show. And before we get to Damian, you guys know the drill. Uh, I have to introduce my lovely, very good-looking, bearded co-host from the United Kingdom with the perfect British accent, Dean Holland. How are you today? <laughs> Here I come, my noble steed. <laughs> I am awesome. And uh, I've just got to say, though, James, just before we uh, come into the guest, sometimes maybe our listeners don't realize this, but I have the good fortune of being able to see your face sometimes, either prior or during <laughs> the show. And I've got to say... It appears some of our gentle attacks at the uh, lack of plumage within your own beard has taken shape because that is a thicker, fuller face that you are supporting right now. And I couldn't be more proud. Well, thank, thank you for that, Dean. I've taken some crap from you <laughs> about uh, not having an illustrious, illustrious beard. And uh, so I haven't trimmed it down for a little while. Uh, but, but as a matter of fact, I think that may be happening soon. So sorry to let you down. Uh, I'm going to go back to the normal. I better get, grab my camera pretty quick and just uh, savor the moment. Yeah, that's right. So there you go. So there we go. We got a little dig in early on about my beard. And now we're going to get into the meat, of the meat and potatoes of the show. Damien Lupo, welcome to the show, man. How are you today? Hey, guys. I am good. I am really good. In fact, I'm fired up and excited to be here and, and jam with you guys. Yeah, no, we're super excited to have you here. And I think, you know, one of the... Um, Every now and then we have a guest on the show where I'm sort of like, how on earth have you crammed all of this in, in one single lifetime? And I feel like you're one of those guys and that's, you know, it's just like, oh my God, you've done so much and I really want to get into that today. Yeah. I, I, here, here's the, the easy, immediate, fast uh, explanation. I fail fast. And that's, I think that that's how you cram a lot into a little time. You just fail faster. And all right, so so let's just jump right into that. So failing fast, you must have a completely different mindset about failure and learning and growing and everything else. Because a lot of people see failure as, man, I don't want to like, I don't want that to happen. It's going to be a big problem if it does happen. But you must have a completely different way of looking at it. Can you share that with us? Yeah, there, there's something that I just I just thought about, and that is the idea that we we fail to learn when we go through life. And there's another way to looking at failing to learn. I, we fail in order to learn. So I think a lot of times we fail to learn. We do the same thing over and over again. I fail fast to learn, and then I use that to keep going to the next thing. And and if you look at anybody that's a titan of anything that's gone on, whether they're in in the arts, they're a singer, or they're in business, an entrepreneur the people that we look up to have failed the most. And if they haven't failed, it's probably coming. And it, and so there's, it's kind of a, a hack and it's, it's funny because it sounds like a stupid hack that you're going to go blow yourself up repeatedly. 
but that's how you end up becoming stronger and you end up with this wisdom where things are automatic. And if you don't go through the process of actually failing, then things are, they end up being too much in your head and you can't just shoot from the hip with real power because once you've gone through things, you've got the power that's baked into your DNA and without the actual process of going through it, you're never going to have it baked into your DNA. It's, it's just going to sit in your brain bouncing around to where you analyze things forever. Was this way of seeing this was like, have you always been this way? Are you hardwired this way? Or was there a specific event or circumstance that sort of transformed the way that you saw failure and then using it to your advantage? I think there was a part of me that when I was a lot younger, was just reckless and, and really went out there, was interested and curious, and I didn't get beaten down into submission to play it safe. And I think that that's the, probably the problem for a lot of people that aren't out there failing faster. They're, they're playing it safe because they're afraid based on judgment or training or whatever that it's, it's bad or wrong. And I just got, I built up so much momentum in the failing space, trying things out of my you know, our youthful curiosity that it became the norm. And once it's the norm, it would be weird to go back and do anything else that was the safe, you know, being in a, in a rat race or anything else. So fortunately, I, I had to practice young. And if, if that isn't the case for somebody, you have to go find ways to practice that don't scare the crap out of you just to get some momentum, because that's how you're going to end up building up the failure track record and, and the book of your, of your wisdom bank. So you, so you, you've like almost seen failure as working out at the gym and making yourself stronger and building that muscle so you can use it whenever you need it to. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. And, and when we think about things like financial freedom or, or freedom in general, people often make the mistake. They think that it's a pile of money or a certain amount of cash flow. They think if they exit a company with $10 million that they're good. The problem is it's not true. What you the, the true freedom is the confidence, and the confidence comes from your your ability to go through things, mess them up, learn from them, and then know better, and then have that that new muscle that's permanently part of you because it can never be taken away. It doesn't matter how many times you lose companies or lose your money or or the markets crumble. It doesn't make any difference. You can always show up and say, "Okay, I know how to do this. I'll go do it again." And that's that's the shift. You have to shift into confidence, but you only get that by building it, and it is a muscle. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, and I just got to ask Dean, was that, was that the case for you when you failed numerous times to become a, uh, professional ballerina? <laughs> I don't remember. Well, I'm still failing to become a professional ballerina, despite All right. efforts over and over again, it is just going wrong. Um, and I'm glad you actually mentioned this because I got to say we're six minutes into the show. Our listeners are not used to such great, awesome content so early on in this show. Like, we should have put a public safety warning on this episode, I think. This is what I love about Damien. He just comes in strong right out of the gate. I know. Like, we, right? we normally build up to the tips. I hope you've got some serious powerhouse moves coming up, Damien, because this, you're just laying down <laughs> the awesome stuff so quick here. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's, it's totally true. So, Damien, one of the questions I want to ask you then is, can you share a specific story that may, you know, sort of illustrate what we're talking about here about failing fast and then moving on and just, you know, being cool with that and welcoming that. Yeah. In fact, this is pretty recent. Uh, the, the last couple of years, I, I launched a company and, and did a, a big a raise for it. So I've, I've raised money in the past. And one of the things that I did was lose all the money. And it's a really painful process. When, you, when I was doing real estate 15 years ago, I raised many, many millions of dollars. And ultimately in 2008, when I lost a $20 million portfolio, I lost a lot of my, like all my money and a lot of investor money. And so I had to learn from that process and I had to understand that it's investing and it's, I, I'm not, 
I'm not a guaranteed insurance fund that somebody's counting on. And I've got to be really clear about that up front. And I went through a process of detaching my my the investment failure and my own personal self-worth. And I, when I detached those, I was able to go back out. While those were attached, I was stuck in a fetal position, sucking my thumb, thinking my life is over. But once I detached those, I was able to go back out and start another company, the latest company. And when I did, there was a, an initial thinking that it's going to look like X. And as soon as it launched, it started to morph and it morphed very quickly because we kept trying things that didn't work. And they were part of our plan. We raised a million dollars. Here's the plan. Here's how we're going to roll it out. And when, as we rolled it out, we kept running into obstacles and you had, we have to keep pivoting because if we don't pivot faster, we're going to get run over and we're ultimately going to run out of money. So that's why you have to pivot so fast because when things come up, the, the entire environment is changing so fast. We were, we were launching things, our initial round of SEO, we spent 10,000 bucks on that complete failure, had to rethink how we were going to even communicate our message, shifted into the podcast world as a test to see if we could touch people. And what we found is that when you're dealing with financial services or you're dealing with something that's really deep, whether that's money or sex, you've got to build trust with people mm -hmm. uh, if, you, if you want something that's going to last. And so we found that podcasting and sharing a message uh, where it was intimate was a way better way to deploy resources versus SEO where people can click and then unclick and go to the next person. And it's basically like speed dating there. There's no real trust built up and you're disposable. So we had to shift really rapidly into that space and put a lot of efforts there and learn how to, how to use that instead of what everybody else was doing, which is just SEO. I mean, anybody can go there, but you really just get lost in the, in the massive noise. Have you crystallized a recipe? I like the I like the thing you talked about about detaching the failure from your self worth so that you can just see it as okay. Well, this is what happened, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you know I'm a failure. It doesn't mean that I suck. It doesn't mean that I'm not capable of doing amazing things, and all of that stuff. Do you have a specific recipe or way that you've uh, sort of done that? that you rely upon as you've grown and strengthened this muscle? This is something that um, I was, I really dug into with a, a close friend of mine, uh, Paul Lamb. And we were, we were talking about how we detach. And one of the things that I screwed up was that I became the results of my business. So as long as my, my real estate, my money, my bank accounts, my Ferraris, all of that was, was good and shiny and full and, and bloated. It, I felt good about myself. The question had to shift. And the question now is who am I? And I am not the results that I have. Sometimes those don't work. And if I was just the results in, in terms of business, then every, every other week or every other month, I'd end up being a disaster. So I know I'm a teacher. I know I'm a risk taker and I'm a, I'm a change agent for people to, to really open them up and, and release their, their money bondage that they've got most people have in their lives. That's my job. That's my role. That's who I am. So the stuff I do is stuff I do. The, it, whether it works or not is not who I am. And that's the big shift to where I don't end up getting stuck in the morass of the failures. I go, oh, okay, that's a good opportunity to learn and go deeper into who I am so I can teach at a different level and have bigger impact. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I uh, met and hung out with a guy a couple times who uh, you know, was a billionaire and then he lost a significant percentage of that. And one of the things that he shared with me was one, never be awed by success and two, Never be intimidated by failure because neither one of those things really define you unless you choose to allow it to be so. Yeah. And the, the funny thing too is that we get so awed by the success of others that's an illusion anyway. It's like looking at at Facebook highlights of people's lives, the highlight reel of their lives, and we go, ooh, ah, and it's not even real. So right. we're, we're looking at things and we're, 
we're not even in the space of reality. We're in the space of illusions. And so we have to be really conscious about that, how we're even judging things. And, and I love what, what the advice that, that your friend gave you. I mean, I think that's perfectly fitting. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Dean, Dean, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say, um, I love, I love what you just said there. I'm not the results I have. I can definitely relate to that when I was, uh, well, probably still to this day, but st- certainly earlier on in my business, I used to, uh, I never used to look at things that as a, as a failed project, I used to always look at it that I was a failed person. So I can definitely relate with that. So that's huge. Yeah, there is there's a big shift when you start detaching. It's 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 kind of almost a Buddhist philosophy, being open to everything and attached to nothing. Right. And I was definitely attached. My ego was driving the show, so everything was good. I felt good. The emotions were good. My life was good as long as the results were there. And it's crazy when you lose twenty million dollars because you you are twenty million dollars, and that goes away, and it's negative five million. All of a sudden, you go, "Wow, I'm worth negative. I am negative five million bucks." That's pretty depressing, right? Yeah, t- totally. <laughs> pretty much it's only depressing (laughs) until that happens (laughs) but the you know the good thing about that right we all know that's the pac-man dying sound but in pac-man and in what you're talking about damien like you come back right you get another you get another shot if you choose to take that other shot here's the thing about uh, about being tied up with your your results when you when you crash and burn, it can take months or years to to actually get back up, if ever. And that's why it's so important to detach and really know who you are going into the thing. And you start by by asking yourself what what matters. And, and I think the easiest way to do that, and this is something I didn't do until a few years ago, you have to actually ask yourself what the values are that drive who you are and the decisions you're going to make. If all your decisions are based on just more, which is what mine were, like my values were more money and all the stuff. And so I was driving it. And when that, when that went away, then I lost, I didn't know who I was. And so I spent years out of the game, which is really stupid because you lose the opportunity, the time, the, like in 2008, when things collapsed, there was a massive opportunity to go out there and create incredible wealth and have a huge impact. And I was too busy in, in recovery mode because I was trying to figure out who I was. That's one of the problems with riding the roller coaster of who you are based on what you have up and down. You end up getting knocked out of the game for potentially years. Mm-hmm. What I think is cool about you know about this conversation is obviously you've taken all of that experience and you're channeling it now to share with other people and teach them uh, your philosophies on financial independence and what that what that really means and what it really means to be free. And maybe you could just share a little bit about, you know, your core philosophies on, on that and how all that past experience shaped, uh, shaped you to be able to share that with, with, you know, people and help them expand their lives in more abundant ways. Now there's something that happens when, when you go through a a complete, uh, train wreck, you have all this like toxic crap that sits inside you. And there's, uh, there's probably a lot of ways to get it out. The way that I found to get it out was to start really owning it and, and write about it and really take the lessons and share those with other people. One, to give those lessons to other people and two, to get it out of me and make sure that I didn't do the same things. So in 2012, I was working with a friend of mine on just rethinking our lives. And, and we decided to write a book called reinvented life. And it was really about the whole process of shifting from the unconscious hedonistic approach to life to a very conscious, aware, uh, impactful, contributing way of going about things. And it, it really made us aware of what our fallacies were in our thinking. And, and so now whenever I go through a process, like the last couple of years, building a company and then basically having it not work and having to go through the process of creating a unicorn in my mind, I was creating a billion dollar company and that was the intention. 
and it turned into a zero. I mean, it, took, it turned into a goose egg, not a unicorn. So now I'm taking those lessons and I'm, I'm teaching from those. So I teach from those lessons. I teach from the real estate losses and the gains. And it's, it's giving all this stuff to as many people as I can, because I believe in what Peter Diamandis says. He's the one that wrote Abundance, that launched SpaceX and all these really cool things. And he, he says that the idea of a billionaire is really new. It's different now. It's not a billion dollars in the bank. And I used to think it was. And what he says, I agree with. And it is a billion lives that you've impacted. If you want to be a billionaire, figure out how to impact a billion people. So I'm taking what I've learned. And this is where you have a big shift and a differentiation between me and, and a lot of other people out there that are teaching from academics or they're regurgitating somebody else's information. I'm teaching from my experience. So I can tell you for a fact, this is how it is for, in my life and probably a lot of other places. It's not just something that's theory. So it's the question is, how can I share that with more people? How can I raise more people up? And it's, it's taking these experiences and then giving them away to people and, and being a mentor to millions and not just trying to figure out how to consult to one or two. It's really shifting. It's shifting the, the global consciousness around money and the bondage or the freedom that it can, it can create depending on your mindset and, and how you approach it. One of the things that's interesting and sort of surfacing for me in this conversation is that there's this whole spiritual aspect that you're talking about when it comes to, you know, money as energy and, and raising consciousness and stuff like that. And, and, you know, can you talk a little bit about your views and beliefs on like the spiritual side of abundance and money as it pertains to, you know, growth and contribution? I think that's a perfect thing to, to hit. And I, and I think if we, if we don't focus on that, if, if people are just thinking about money as a thing, or if they're just focusing on get, the getting of money, I think they're missing the entire point that you're right. Money is energy. And when, when you go out into the world and you have an intention around getting money versus creating solutions or creating impact or, or doing something, what you're, what, what's happening is you're really missing the point that money is a side effect. And money is a side effect of you doing something like really serving your purpose. We all have a purpose. It's not to go punch a clock. It's to do something and, and really take our, our genius, our God-given talents, whatever those are, and, and share those. It's, people get stuck in these things where they go, I only have 10 more years to do X until I have this, until I get to live this way. If yeah. that's what you're saying in your head, you are on the wrong path. There is 100% certainty that you're on the wrong path. We're not meant to be cogs in systems. We're, we're meant to be engaged in relationships. And this is, it really is a spiritual question. What is your purpose? And you start getting feedback from the universe. You get taps. And Buckminster Fuller talked a lot about this with the taps from the universe. Sometimes these taps are, are really painful. Sometimes they're little nudges. And sometimes you feel like, wow, I'm in the flow. And if you're in the flow and things are kind of aligning, like the stars are aligning, and you feel like it's just really easy, that's probably because you're on the right path. If every damn thing you do is painful and hard day after day, ask the question Steve Jobs asked, which is, how many days has it been where I'm doing something I don't enjoy doing and it's painful because it's probably time for me to do something different? That's the universe giving you feedback, and that's a very spiritual experience if you're aware enough to pay attention. And do you think that a lot of people just ignore that? Here's the thing that people do. We they, there's there's six basic human needs. One of them happens to be security, and we tend to focus on that. When I was focusing on all the money, get the getting of money, I was focusing on security, and I thought, okay, a million is going to make me secure, and then I'll be good. And then wait, I need a couple million, and then I need five million, and it was always more security. And so people do that. They buy more investment properties, they grow their business, 
And if it's just about the security and they miss the other ones, they're missing the love, the connection, the the contribution, the significance, and the variety. If they miss all those, they're going to be shallow. They might be successful, but they're not going to be fulfilled. And and that's the the missing piece. If you look at those six needs and you realize, really, I'm just focusing on the one, you're going to be missing the big parts of your life that matter more than security because security is an illusion anyway. I mean, you think about money being security. Look at people that have no money and are incredibly happy. Who's more secure? The person that has money and is afraid they're going to lose it or the person that has nothing and they're free to move about and 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 experience life. So we got to figure out what we're focusing on and which human needs are actually being satisfied and which ones are being ignored. Yeah, totally. I think that's such rock solid advice. So talk a little bit about the the actual work that you're doing right now. Like how how you're coaching people and and I know you've got uh, numerous books, but you're uh, you're writing another one I think right now and how how is all this you know, kind of pointed at getting people a specific result and outcome. Well, what's happened over the years is people people have come to me and they, they they'll say, "I want help," and I say, "Great, what do you want help with?" and and typically they they show up and they say, "I want to do I, I want to do more of something. I want to buy investments. I want to grow my business. I've I've got money and I don't want to lose it." And and so we we do this one on one process that usually lasts around a year. And by the end of the year, what I find is that people end up going more into a blank slate process. And this is something I came up with a few years ago where we're, we're figuring out how to pull everything off our plate. And I'm talking the stuff, the people, everything, and ask what should be there. And it's a really painful process that most people I don't think want to go through and pretty much resist until they're ready. Spiritually, they're ready to, to actually acknowledge what should be in their life and what shouldn't. So what we end up doing is, is we take everything off their plate, all their stuff, their lifestyle, their job, their, the people in their life. And then we ask, okay, what is, the, what is it that you really want to have in your life? What experience do you want to have? And what's going to support that? People are afraid. They've, I, this one gentleman came to me recently and he's got about $5 million in the bank, makes a half a million dollars a year. And he's afraid. He's literally afraid. I said, what are you, what, what's going on? And he said, well, I just, I, you know, I, I want to have a lifestyle. I want to go paint. I want to travel the world. I go, what are you waiting for? And he's so addicted to this stuff and the cycle he's in. What our job to, to the one-on-one work we're doing is to pull all the stuff, the things that he thinks he needs based on somebody else's beliefs, pull those out of his life. This is blank slating it. And then really adding in the things that matter, his family, his experiences. And so I'm taking that one-on-one work to really blank slate people and get down to what is important and what they need and how they can create it and, and delivering that to people in a way that is able to, to impact not just a couple of people, but really anybody that wants to touch it. I don't think this is something that should be contained in a box and limited. I think this, this should be available for everybody because that's, I mean, that's why I'm here. I'm here to teach. I'm here to help people build relationships, to remove the tension in their lives, to take the conflict out of their lives. I mean, this is why I've been studying Aikido and martial arts for the last 20 years and it's, it's who I've become. There, there's a different way to live. And we've got to kind of blow up a lot of the rules and belief systems that have been driving to us to where we are now. So when you say, when you say take, take people to a blank slate and, you know, the, using this guy as an example, so he's got, you know, he's got a few million dollars in the bank, got a, you know, good income. Is that like, you know, conceptually taking that stuff away? Or is that like, literally like saying, okay, like you got to put it over here and you don't have access to it for a little while. And you go on some sort of like journey, like how, like how intense does that process look? Well, it it starts with an awareness to where we actually just get clear. I think people end up having so much chaos in their lives. They don't even know what they're dealing with. 
So there's a process of becoming aware, and then there's an actual physical process of starting to shift, starting to do things. And it's it's little in the beginning because because if if I said to this guy, okay, quit your job, and and then get a one way ticket to to Bali, and then we're going to figure it out from there. I mean, that they're going to freak out. He's like, I can't do that. Totally. But you you can start doing things. There's, there's a process of doing things that start to build the muscle. And that's the entire process. I'm kind of like a a, a personal trainer in this space where you, you build the muscle. You don't just say, okay, next week you're going to go, you're going to go deadlift a thousand pounds and we're going to put you on stage. Like that is crazy. But that's what a lot of times people say in books, here's the process. And then by the end of this book, your life is reimagined and and, and done. You know, it's, it, that's not real, but, but we can do it if we take one step at a time. So it's, it's the awareness. And then it's the process of, of actually coming up with a plan and then executing it one step at a time. And then man, a year or two later, your life looks totally different and you're in control and the, and the peace starts to to come into into your life that was missing, and all it took was really awareness, a plan, and some action. So give so give me an example of somebody who like who went through that process, right? So this guy you're talking with right about right now, like he's in the middle of it, and there's like still all this pain and association with all the attachments that he currently has. What about somebody you know who went out on the other side? And then what does what does the after look like, right? The before picture, you know, I think we're sort of painting a really clear understanding of what's the after picture look like. The after picture more often than not looks like people actually getting out of their, their normal space. And most, most people that I run into want to be a, a participant in the world. They actually want to experience the world and they're so, so busy with their, their Monday through Friday or their normal life. They don't experience anything. So I, I have a, a really, really complex strategy called book it. Like whatever it is that you're aware of that you want, we start booking things and we book the life that you're that you're wanting. And usually what, what happens is people start working around their booking. They book their life the way that they want. So they end up traveling, they have experiences, they're whether they're doing a habitat for humanity or they're simply going out there and and hanging out in in some ruins in Cambodia, whatever it is, they're doing something, they're they're actually physically physiologically shifting by going and doing it maybe they're teaching something maybe like this guy they're they're going to start painting but they're booking it into their life we, we tend to try to fit in the stuff that we imagine our life could be around all the work that we're doing and if the work's not the thing that we're vi- envisioning for our life then we never really have time for it so it's really a process of, of planning where that goes and and people end up they, they start traveling they start doing things and what the, the craziest part is they find huh all the other stuff I was able to get done and I magically had the money that I needed for all these things. I've never seen somebody go out there and go through this process and not have the ability to fund it and not have the time to do it. Everything sort of works out when you plan in advance instead of being reactive. It's very proactive and planning wise. Awesome. Um, Dean, I am uh, selfishly hogging the mic right now. <laughs> no, you know what? I'm actually, um, I've been sitting back listening, being very quiet because I can't help but think, and James, you'll know this because I think um, I think maybe you and I spoke maybe potentially about this. Tell me if I'm wrong. But so Damien, just about uh, about a month ago or so, I was due to go on a trip uh, on bi- with, with business, but for a, a charitable trip. Um, and it, for, for whatever reason, it got canceled and it forced us into a situation uh, to actually think, well, let's take a vacation instead. We've already had this time we was going to go away. And I was talking with James and, and a few others about this feeling I had, because uh, to give you the backstory, I've not taken a vacation actually for like five plus years. So I've been so wrapped up with my business, growing my business and scaling. We've moved into an office, grew the team. And, you know, I, I love what I do. And I realized like, 
well, we haven't stopped. Like there's been no period where I've stopped focusing on bringing money, helping our customers, working with clients. And uh, I remember I was actually sitting there and I was writing this all down the, the evening before I went on vacation. And I had this very strange feeling like it was almost like it wasn't a fear of walking away from the business because I've got the team here helping. But it was a very strange feeling to actually step away outside of what I've been so comfortable with, which was working on my business for the last five years every single day. So it's, um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm just sitting back relating to everything you're saying. It's awesome. Well, there's a there's a piece to that too that I think a lot of people miss when they're building businesses, especially in the early stages, where they go, "I can't leave because there's so much to do." Well, for one, there's always so much to do. Right. It's it's rare that you get to a point where there's nothing to do, and it's just completely where you're useless or you don't need to be there ever. I mean, that's kind of an illusion of of just building a system and then leaving. But the the thing that people, if people will really embrace this, allows them to book it, book their life with a lot of a lot of flexibility. And that is when you leave, when you leave your business, you get a different perspective to bring back. You rejuvenate right. and you come back stronger and more relaxed and more aware of things that you weren't aware of that you couldn't have been focused on because you were so so wound up and you don't realize how much tension is built when you're just in that wheel all the time, the hamster wheel just over and over. So this really actually allows you to do better, have more impact, grow your business, build your investments, build your relationships. If you'll get out of your thing on a regular basis, and and that's the, that's the secret. You got to get out to actually be better. Yeah, definitely, and that's that's exactly what I found myself. Um, and you realize, like you just said, everything carries on. You 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 seem to think if you step away that uh, things might suffer, but actually, uh, in some of my cases, things were better without me involved. So uh, certainly taught me a few things. <laughs> Just a follow-up question on that. So I'm a very like, I, you know, studied engineering, like very logical sort of systems type guy. And I like to have like these like, you know, ways of uh, thinking about things that are formulas and recipes and stuff. Have you found there's a certain frequency like that where you can manage a cycle of, you know, work and rejuvenation and like, is there a balance for that? Or is it just different for everybody and you got to sort of experiment with it? Or how do you, how do you, uh, you know, kind of help people navigate that? One of the cycles that I, that works really well for most people is the 12 week sprint. And this is really treating 12 weeks as 12 months. We, we give our, because of Parkinson's law, we tend to do, we tend to think things are going to take a lot longer and they take as long as we give them. And there's an extreme on this. You, you couldn't say, okay, I'm going to take this 12 month project. I'm going to get it done in 12 minutes. I mean, there is an extreme where you actually need a certain amount of time to get things done. But usually most things we could easily compress from 12 months into 12 weeks and sometimes into like 30 days. If we map our lives out in these 12 week cycles and we make that our new year, then we can start to accelerate things and adapt because things are changing so much. If you have a 12 week or 12 month plan or a three year plan, yeah, good luck. Everything is going to change by by the end of the 18th month and your three year plan is going to be useless. 12 weeks allows you to constantly get things done. You have a break, you take a week off, and then you you reassess where are we at and what what has changed? What do we need to re, redo so you're not stuck in a plan that's irrelevant? That's how a lot of people in in the fintech or in the in the tech space get in, into a lot of trouble. They go raise a bunch of you know, millions of dollars, they go deploy a plan, and by the, the by the time they build it, they're run over because everything has changed in the in the environment or the competition or the, they're not adapting fast enough. And so 12 weeks allows you to be really, really current all the time. And it creates that sprint because if we if we think about the time, the moments, the weeks before we go on a vacation or a holiday or something, we tend to be really focused and really engaged because we know that there's an end, there, there's a there's an ending, there's a time where we're gonna be, we have to be done and then we're leaving. 
if you're always setting yourself up in into that mind space, you tend to be very focused because you get to release and then you release and you come back and you, you start it again. It's a really healthy cycle. I love that. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. So you're saying 12 weeks, map it out, sprint till the finish line, and then take, uh, take a period of time for rejuvenation. And based on what you said earlier with your whole book at philosophy, book in whatever you're going to do after those 12 weeks so that you've got that ready to go. And it's not just dead space in the calendar. Yeah. And it's really, I think a helpful strategy is to book things that are non-refundable because in the entrepreneurial space, especially it's really easy to say, Oh, you know what? I got this thing, but I'm going to push that, that vacation. I'm going to push it out because I've got this other project. If you've got non-refundable stuff and I mean, really specifically setting yourself up for non-refundable, like buying airplane tickets on kayak or Priceline, which are damn near impossible to get a refund on doing that kind of stuff, not getting travel insurance, but really going for it. I mean, I did this in a, f- a few years ago and I, I booked a trip to Asia and it, it actually scared the crap out of me because it was for like six and a half weeks. And one of my concerns was, what if I get sick? You know, I'm going to go over there. I don't know where the hospitals are. And, and I was getting really nervous and I go, I think this is really important for me to go because I'm terrified of this whole experience. And one of the most valuable things happened when I was gone for six and a half weeks, I realized how I started detaching and un- un- like letting go of of all the things that were my habits that were, that owned me. And it took, it took more than a week. It probably took about two to three weeks to where I wasn't thinking I needed to go have Starbucks every day. I wasn't thinking about having to go buy stuff on Amazon because there was no place to ship it. I was all over Cambodia and, and wherever the heck I was wandering around Asia. So giving, giving yourselves enough time to really detach from your, your patterns and habits, what'll happen is after you do that, you come back and you, really are aware of your habits and patterns and you'll start saying, well, do I really want this or am I just doing this because I did it yesterday and the day before? So breaking your life up and really disrupting the habits is an, is a really powerful way to figure out what you want versus what you're just doing because you have always done it. So awesome. And that's, and that's part of this whole blank slate philosophy, I imagine, right? It, it is. It was, it was an accidental workings of it where I went out there and it was me pushing into the fear. So if there's something that, that you're afraid of that seems like I uh, couldn't do that, or if you hear yourself saying that or resisting somebody's suggestion that really loves you and, and is wanting the best for you, there's probably something there that's going to teach you something that you need desperately when you're fighting it because you're afraid. And it's funny because when we think about what we're afraid of, really, what what is it? It's There's some primal thing where our brain is saying, you're going to be eaten by a tiger in the woods if you go into those woods. And there's no tiger out there. I mean, unless you, like I grew up in Alaska, so there's actually bears in the backyard. You might actually get eaten if you go in the backyard, but for most people, that's not true. There's not a bear in the backyard or a tiger that's going to have you for lunch. It's your own goofy brain that's really squandering your ability to live your life that's waiting for you to go attack and, and be involved with. Awesome, man. I'm sure I speak for for Dean and myself when I say I feel like we could talk with you for quite some more right. time. Um, but I, I definitely, uh, I definitely appreciate you being on the show, Damien. And one of the things that I want to make sure that, uh, besides you know the tremendous value that I think people have gotten from listening to this, is if they want to connect with you uh, further, what's the best way for them to do that? Best way to, is to visit me at damianlupo.com, and you can grab a, a copy of the blank slate process. It'll get you started on that. And, and that's really the beginning. It's really opening up the space so you can figure out what, the, what it is you're, you want. And, the, and, and then it, once you're, you have this space opened up, you'll find amazing things start to, 
to happen. But until the space is opened, you're, you're too full. You, you've got to be able to do that first. So that's that's the first thing. Grab that, get that, get that tool, and get started opening up the space for your life the way that you want to design it, not the way it's been gone. You know, the way it's been going by default. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so you guys, if you want uh, want to connect with some more of this amazing uh, information, go to DamianLupo.com and uh, grab some of the stuff that Damian's been talking about. Dean, uh, what what parting comments, uh, questions, or remarks do you have from the other side of the? Planet? Well, no, I just want to say we said early on, after six minutes, right? This has to keep going because we delivered so much amazing stuff early on, and and Damien, you did not fail to deliver on that. It's been absolutely awesome. And one thing I think is this is an area. The things that we've raised today and the things you've been sharing with us is ultimately uh, an area that probably not a lot of entrepreneurs, so at least in my space in, that I've dealt with, uh, really talk about. But it's probably something that most of them need the most. So I, I, I'm just very grateful that we've had the opportunity to have you here and to share this stuff. It's been awesome. So thank you. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. It's, it's really been fun to, to dive into this stuff. I, I think really if, if we start thinking about less is more in a way that there are certain things that are really valuable and more of more stuff is not really the answer, but we're so busy creating more, we may be da- heading down the, the wrong path. And if we just stop for a second, we may realize that a slight shift is going to be a lot simpler and it's going to be a lot more fulfilling. Yeah. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, that's what it's really about, right? It's about feeling fulfilled and feeling like you're on purpose. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Damien, thank you so much for being here, man. It's been such a pleasure and a treat for all of us. Um, again, if you want to connect with Damien, go DamienLupo.com. And we're going to wrap this one up today. This is James B. Friel signing off for me and Dean Holland on another episode, Just Tips. We will talk with you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.